thanks again, as always, for listening. I appreciate anybody who listens to even one episode, and I appreciate everyone who's listened to so many. You keep me going. I'm so excited to share that now official on Patreon. You can find my Patreon page, become a member. It's patreon.com backslash chills at will podcast Peter Real. Again, that's patreon.com backslash chills at will podcast Peter Real. My name, of course, is P-E-T-E-R-R-I-E-H-L. Patreon.com backslash chills at will podcast Peter Real. You can become a member today. The page is officially launched. There are three tiers of membership. Official patron membership tier is $3 a month. And with that, you'll get access to all interview episodes when they're published, mostly on Tuesdays with some published on Fridays. There are two to four interviews published each month. Lastly, you'll receive the monthly newsletter with reading recommendations, literary event calendar, and the Chills of Will podcast news, and you'll get a shout-out on a future episode. That is the official patron tier of membership for $3 a month. There's the $5 a month for the all-access patron. With the all-access patron membership, you'll have access to all new interview episodes. Each month, like I said, there are two to four interview episodes. You'll get access to those as well as a monthly bonus episode or two that is an interview or an exploration of themes through two or three texts. One example would be an episode that I did called Righteous and Justified Anger that was explored through the works by Langston Hughes and Ralph Ellison or The Power of Flashback was one episode which explored the endings of The Godfather Part 2 Sleepers, and that was then, this is now. With the all-access patron membership, you'll also receive a refrigerator magnet with the Chills at Will podcast logo and the monthly newsletter with reading recommendations, literary event calendar, and the Chills at Will podcast news. You will get a shout-out on a future episode, too. With the VIP patron tier, which is $10 a month, you'll get access to all episodes, a monthly newsletter with reading suggestions and a calendar of literary events and updates on the Chills at Will podcast, access to a monthly AMA, Ask Me Anything, and a t-shirt with the Chills at Will podcast logo. There are two to four monthly episodes and one or two bonus episodes, which are interviews or discussions of themes as seen through multiple texts. VIP patrons will also receive a special shout-out on a future episode. I encourage you to please join Patreon for the Chills of Will podcast. As I say all the time, this is truly a labor of love. This is truly a DIY operation. I started in April of 2020, and it has been an absolute pleasure. 99.999% fun. I've gotten to interview people like Disha Filia, what? Matt Bell. Brandon Hobson, Luis Alberto Orrea, Jean Guerrero, Gustavo Arellano, Taylor Bias, Gabby Bates, Alice Elliott Dark, Nadia Owusu, and so, so, so many more. Did I say Jess Walter? Did I say Jeff Perlman? Ingrid Rojas Contreras, Jamil John Cochai, Morgan Talty, Sadie Shore Parks. 
Rachel Yoder, Vanessa Angelica Villarreal, Kirsten Chen, Sam Quinones, Ion Grillo, Raina Kelly, Zach Harper, Michael Torres, Tracy Cato Kirayama, S.J. Sindhu, Roberto Lovato, Todd Goldberg, Steph Cha, Noel Kassler, Reina Grande, James Tate Hill, Navdeep Dylan Singh, Nikisha Elise Williams, Mia St. John, Susan Muladi Daraj, Sarah Borjas, and the list goes on and on. Future episodes include conversations with Allegra Hyde, with Justin Tinsley, Jose Antonio Vargas, Laura Worrell, so, so, so many cool people. Patreon.com backslash Chills at Will podcast Peter Real. What are you waiting for? See you over there. Hello, I am Pete Real, a high school English and Spanish teacher, an avid reader, and an aspiring writer. Thank you for listening to the Chills at Will podcast, in which we explore the visceral beauty of literature and its connection to our culture, our history, and ourselves. Aziz Amna is from Rawalpindi, Pakistan, and now lives in Newark, USA. Her work has appeared in the New York Times, Financial Times, and Al Jazeera, among others. She was selected as Forbes 30 Under 30 in 2022 and won the 2019 Financial Times slash Bodley Head Essay Prize. She is a graduate of Yale College and the Helen Zell Writers Program at the University of Michigan. American Fever is her debut novel. Thanks for listening to episode 168. Enjoy! Good morning slash afternoon, Peter. It's, I'm great. It's so lovely to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, so great to talk to you. Any, the Yale College thing, any like secret societies you're part of, or maybe you can't tell me about them? <laughs> um, no, well, so I was, um, I was obviously part of the nerdiest one. Um, there, um, it's not really a secret society. It's called the Elizabethan Club, um, in okay. which people just kind of congregate and talk about um, old, up to use literature. Um, I wasn't, I I, yeah, I was uh, I was part of that my senior year, um, but it was generally just like a way for people to get together. Nothing, nothing very secretive. Yeah, I also feel like that's what somebody would say who doesn't want us to know about secret societies. So that is true. That is you true. Know, I would not I tell know. you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about thirty under thirty, and I'm just uh, so just blown away at, at your youth. You've done so well with your writing. I feel like if I were you, I would have retired after this great line. You had a line in the book, American Fever, something I'm paraphrasing, but something about. Uh, liking dogs is like polyamory <laughs> right like it's it's just not I can understand why it's good but it's not for me some to that effect <laughs> that was so good did I make you laugh out loud when you wrote that one <laughs> no but I I know that that has generally been uh one of my my agent loved that line as well um even then it's so funny because I 
I mean, I my my own feelings about dogs have very much shifted ever since I moved to the U.S. I grew up highly afraid of them, and like, okay. um, just not it's not a part of most Muslim cultures. Um, okay. And um, I I like really like them. I don't know if I'd ever have one. Um, okay. But uh, but it's funny because when I was writing that, I was like, are people going to be offended by that? Um, is that you know, are people going to cancel me for my dog views? Um, but but no, I'm glad I'm glad the line landed. Oh, that's hilarious! I'm, you know, I agree. Just not, not a hater, but just not, not a fan. Not, I don't know what to do around them. I'm awkward, you know. Do you, what do you say to them? Do they even understand what you're saying? I just, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I love to start um, talking about, you know, what you were, what you were reading, what you were into as a kid. I, w- I would assume. I mean, were you, did you grow up speaking Urdu and English like in tandem? Was it Urdu at home and, or, excuse me, Urdu at home and English at school? How, how did that work yeah. with language and just with your early reading too? Yeah, yeah. So um, I think our, my, it was very partitioned. Um, so it's funny because I think there's like, so for instance, now I'm raising my children to be simultaneously bilingual, which means like, obviously at home, they get both mm-hmm. languages just by virtue of the fact that even though I speak to them only in Urdu, they like get TV in English. Um, mm-hmm. They, you know, there are a lot of the books that they get from the libraries are in English and whatnot. Um, right. But with me, it was very much segmented. So mm-hmm. like life outside of school was exclusively in Urdu and also in Punjabi because that's what my parents spoke to each other mm-hmm. um, and what my family spoke. Um, but one that we were like, for a lot of reasons, very actively told not to um, speak in because it was considered like a, um and there's a lot of politics around it but it's basically it's considered like a less sophisticated language and like okay. um the accent of it is like it that's how you distinguish between like village people and city people and so there's there's all this fun stuff but um so yeah so most of the time i only spoke in urdu and then um but because it's, it's pakistan a lot of the education especially in like the better schools is done in um in english um so all the books all the textbooks um all the a lot of the teaching was in english yeah. So, I mean, what were you reading, whether it was in school? I mean, were you reading a lot of the like, quote unquote, classics, like, like more British, kind of like the like the character? Um, yeah. In the book, I mean, were you pronounced like, were you reading, you know, Jane Austen, that type of thing? Or Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. But also, like, uh, what were you what were you into when you wanted to read on your own, you know, maybe outside of school, not just what you were assigned? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. So I think, um, actually, it's, I mean, one of the sadder things I think was like, we actually were, we read very little for school itself. Um, it was, um, I don't know. I mean, I think there you'd have to get like an education specialist on here to like really know exactly why that was, but there wasn't a huge emphasis on literature and reading, um, mm-hmm. like literature specifically. Obviously you were, you were meant to like read a lot for class and mm-hmm. um, study a lot, but not ever really a lot of literature. Um, but what, so what I read in my spare time um, was a lot of the British um, stuff. Although what is also funny is um, I grew up on like a massive diet of Archie comics, uh, yeah. which I think, which I think is like a little dated because when I came here um, mm. and I asked like people who grew up at the same age as me mm-hmm. in the US mm. and I was like, oh my God, this is something being totally bond over. Uh, and no, it was their parents uh, that I could uh, bond okay, <laughs> right, about right, that. Right, right. Um, but somehow I think there was like some time delay and when they got to Pakistan and then there was this huge thing, like uh-huh. everyone had them and you could get them at like old bookstores. And, okay. um, so I inhaled a lot of those obviously, but, okay. um, and then like, 
Sweet Valley. I don't know. We got a lot of like <laughs> weird stuff from the US. Um, I can't really tell what the logic was. Like sure. we got Sweet Valley. We got Nancy Drew. Um, uh-huh. So those were, yeah. But in terms of like more serious fiction, if you want to call it, um, it was a lot of like the British, um, mm-hmm. yeah, writers. Mm. Isn't there an Archie like Netflix series or something? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called. Is, any good? is it called Riverdale? Riverdale sounds right. Yeah, yeah, right. Have you had a chance um, to watch it? No, I have not. I have Bring not. Memories. I don't. Okay. I don't want to destroy. I don't want yeah, to destroy yeah. Archie in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wonder about about Urdu as a language and maybe how it informs your writing in English. Like, is there are there connections? Are they totally opposite? Are there is there something Urdu being you know more poetic or more um, practical that maybe informs your writing yeah um that's yeah that's a great question and i think i keep i don't think if i i don't know if i fully answered it for myself um uh, because i my views on language keep shifting so obviously it's it's it is there's a very specific dilemma of anyone who grew up in another language and now writes primarily in the other um because what i realized so i I had this idea since I moved to the U.S. Um, when I was in college, for college. So I had this sense that, like, oh, moving here made me lose a lot of the language, right? Or, like, now I... And I, I had that connection in my head. But then something interesting happened where I uh, went back to these, like, you know, in the early, what, 2000s, everyone was, all, like, the blog spot thing, that universe. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I used to have a blog, like, everyone on Earth. Um, and I, I went, I, it's now shut. I, it's, it's, I can only, only I can um, be with, thank God. Um, okay. But I, w- I just went on to it. Um, and this is from, like, when I was, you know, in high school, in middle school. And I'm writing exclusively in English on that. Um, and so, and part of that obviously is because like the way the internet happened, uh, was obviously very, um, destructive, I think for languages that were not English, or at least that didn't have the English script. So I was like, no, but this, that's, I've in some ways, like English has always been the language that I've written in mm-hmm. and I've never really written in Urdu. So in some ways, like I actually am just the way, like, you know, someone living in the U S who like starts writing would be. But of course, it's not as simple as that because the, the language that I was speaking in, the language that my characters speak in is mm-hmm. a different one from the one, the language in which sure. the book is. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the, I don't know. I, I like it, it, It's always a question to me, like how much I, because I, for the longest time, I kept thinking that if I can put in like enough of the vocabulary or, but I, I don't think it's as simple as that either because mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you are writing writing in English. So, like, is it a question of do you put in a certain rhythm that belongs in one language and like okay. try to you know sort of mold it to the second one? Is it not about language at all, and is it really just about the stories that you're telling that a lot of the times can be universal? Yeah. I don't know. Well, yeah, really, really interesting in the book. The uh, the main character talks about I love you. You know, you know, people say, oh, you can't say I love you in Urdu, but you can mm-hmm. say you can't say maybe though like that succinctly i guess but there are a million different right. ways to say it right so it's yeah like, yeah like, it might be thought of as like a as like an absence of imagination but it's not that right yeah yeah and i yeah and it's also like how do you um because that feels like um imposing the logic of one language mm-hmm. onto mm-hmm. the logic of another um um it's it's the same yeah um i don't know like i've 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 heard a lot of these conversations where you 
you try to find the exact equivalent uh, of a certain phrase uh-huh. in another language. And then when you don't come up for it, there's there's this weird like thing that happens where you impose, hmm. you like try to make like cultural mm-hmm. sort of uh, insinuations from that. And this is not just Urdu English. Like I've, I've heard, I don't know, for instance, like, there's something about there being like a hundred words for a camel in Arabic and like, okay. oh, does that, like, you know, like, or like yeah. uh, so many words for snow in Russian and oh, that's mm-hmm. significant. And like, maybe sometimes it is, maybe sometimes it isn't. I don't sure. know. Um, but I, it, it, it is interesting how obviously because language is so personal to everyone, like everyone's a linguist. Huh. Yeah. Right. Is, <laughs> is Urdu a gendered language? Yeah. Yeah. It is. So as you got into into high school and into college and, you know, into some of the, the fellowships and into, you know, big, big universities and such, I mean, were you like an English major or literature major? And like, what were you what were you reading? What were some of the books that really just um, wowed you, amazed you and made you, you know, that double that double idea of like, I want to be a writer. I want to do this. And also like I'm in awe and I could never do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, that's a great way to put it. Um so I, yeah, so I was an English major in college. Um, I, that's kind of when I um, actually was exposed to, and that I, I always find it a little ironic, but also like fun that it was only when I came to the U.S. Um, and started taking courses in college that I was exposed to a lot of like the, what we sort of a little disturbingly call world literature, i.e. Mm. anything that is not the Anglosphere. Um, right. So, um that in it's because I took like specifically courses on you know post-colonial literature and like literature from Asia and Africa and hmm. um so I discovered for instance Chumpa Lahiri who I okay. still adore um and I think she she definitely was one of like some of her stories were definitely had that exact impact that you're talking of like simultaneously like how do I make this happen and yeah. I could never make this happen and then even into I mean you know even more recently like through um it was University of Michigan is that right Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, were you, I'm not sure who the faculty there is. I mean, like, you know, who were some of the people who were teaching you? Like what, you know, not that it'd be that long ago, like what was, what was some of the literature, like even the contemporary 2023 that you're really like, man, I can't wait till, you know, she comes out with this new work or, you know, his book is, is timeless, that kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Um, so I, I, I was super lucky to have um, fantastic teachers at Michigan um peter ho davies teaches there oh, yeah. um his his latest book is a lie someone told you about yourself and it's it's absolutely phenomenal and it's like a perspective on fatherhood which already is like i feel like you don't get as much of that as like books on motherhood um mm. so but it's fantastic julie bunton whose book marlena came out a few years ago is mm. is phenomenal she's like truly i don't know how she's a brilliant writer and also just like a phenomenal mentor and a mm. great teacher and was like a star editor before and mm. so she's 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 great um i think she should have a book i think it's like very much in the works um mm. um so yeah and then i think because of the pandemic obviously um i didn't like my time at michigan obviously as anyone's was across the world um but it was weird um in um. that it got a little not truncated but just um for the most of it we were just like behind screens um 
but um yeah and and there's there's so many like people in my cohort and people who even not just obviously the professors but students there's Nishant Injam whose whose book the best possible experience is coming out this year um it's a collection of stories and I'm so so thrilled about that well you are you know you are also with them as a as a published writer with this with American Fever which is your debut novel. What a read. I, I think I don't I didn't read that much about it ahead of time. I wanted to, you know, be just take it all in. I mean, I've read mm-hmm. a bit, of course. And but I'm just wondering about like uh, the seeds for the book. When I when I see the cover, when I when I see the title and just kind of some of the maybe some of the first parts of the book, I guess more so the title. I was thinking, okay, this is gonna be maybe like a heavily satirical novel. It's going to be like, you know, very hyperbolic, you know, to like show, I don't know, differences or to show, you know, um, qualities of, of Americans or Pakistanis or, or whomever. But it wasn't. And that's a high, high, high compliment, just the way that you're mm. so subtly done and so much nuance. But yeah, I mean, I, I did, I believe, read that you had a similar experience to the main mm-hmm. character in doing mm-hmm. like some sort of exchange program. I don't know how you said it. So, so mm-hmm. what were some of the seeds for the book? Yeah, yeah. So I think that that was definitely one of the biggest ones. So um, I started writing this novel in 2018. Um, and that was when I like I knew that I wanted to like I was still working a day job. I was trying to um, write on the side. But around then is when I was like, OK, I, I, if I'm going to do this, I have to just fully commit to a book. The exchange program that I did was um, in 2008. So yeah. this is like a 10 after 10 years is when I decided to write this book. And since it had been enough time, I figured that like enough time had passed that I um, mm. I can sort of start, you know, fictionalizing that. And it's really funny because I, I think this was 2018 now, it's 2023. Um, it took two-ish, you know, a year to get a full draft in and then two years to like sort of really improve that draft significantly because that first draft, like I the other day, I, I to my horror, opened it and it was just, I... <laughs> um anyways um a very different book uh thank god um but and now it's so it came out last year um but i i don't know if i could write this book right now um mm-hmm. because i think that when i started writing it i was still in that like i was 26 and i think those were to me at least the very last years that i could relate to that person who had been a teenager and who had like faced this experience um and of course obviously a big part of being a writer is being able to put yourself in in very different you know shoes um but i think that that i could have written a book so autobiographically influenced but still fiction about this experience only then um because i think now especially like having become a mother now and like moving to a different sort of like emotional space, mental space, um, having a very different relationship with America myself, obviously as well, mm-hmm. means that uh, like if I wrote, wrote that book, I mean, yeah, I would probably not write that book. <laughs> not to, this is not me disowning the book. It's just, it's sure. curious. I just realized a couple of days ago that, wow, I was, uh, mm-hmm. I wrote the book when I could. Yeah. Huh. Well, so one of the early lines, so is it, is it pronounced Hira? Is that correct? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, I know her, her name is lengthened oftentimes by the Americans in the book, but, Kira, the, the main character, um, she starts off with, you know, there's not a lot of flashbacks, but it starts off with, a, oh, I just I forgot the Latin term, in, in medias res, something to that effect. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. There you go. So it starts in the mm-hmm. middle, so to speak. It And um, she writes 
quote, I wonder if the blood means the disease is now severe, even, even lethal. Mostly, I wonder how much of this is America's doing. And that disease is tuberculosis, right, TB? <laughs> and, you know, with that, it's like, okay, cool. Wow, you, you know, we've, we've set the stakes. Um, just this idea of, I wonder how much of this is America's doing. And there's, there's something so cool. And again, in a, with a lesser writer, it could have, been, could have been hackneyed or whatever, but just this idea of like a physical manifestation, <laughs> right? You know, I'm, so I'm thinking, okay, what is, you know, what does that fever mean? Is that like, like a, like a, like a positive thing? You know, I'm so excited about this place. Is right. It, you know, it's infected me in the negative sense. And you do such, a, um, such great things with this idea of, of the sickness. So, you know, it moves on here is driving to the hospital with Kelly. Kelly's her, like her American, uh, what'd you call that exchange mom? Host mother. Yeah. Host yeah. mother. Thank you. I knew it was a better term. And they're just, you know, the. <laughs> They're just kind of like the banalities about like, oh, you know, Kelly's saying, oh, you can make anywhere your home. And here is not quite sure about that, you know, and this idea of like Kelly says, oh, you know, my mom was from Hamburg, Germany, and she just made this her home. You can make anywhere your home. And <laughs> and uh, here is here is not 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 one to just take things at face value. Right. She's kind of like, are you sure? And this <laughs> idea that, you know, children always seem to create neat narratives. Um, and yeah, again, like I, I would call this like in some ways a quiet book. There's no. They're, they're tropes that seem to maybe be happening, but nope. It's just like such a unique and and subtle and nuanced book. I'd love to talk a little bit about Kelly. Like I said, I, I could see her being this like, um, have you ever seen the movie, uh, have you ever seen the movie Get Out, Jordan Peele's movie? Yes. <laughs> right? There, you know, there are a couple references like she's like, I feel like she'd be the kind of person to say, I would I would have voted for Obama one more time if I could have. <laughs> right? But but she's not like that some crazy stereotype. She's not some over the top. She's, you know, she's a good person. She's a single mom, mm -hmm. you know, all that comes with that. And, you know, she's lonely, all that. So I wonder mm -hmm. um, about Kelly and kind of how you, how you positioned her and maybe how you, how you came to her, the conclusion of who she is in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's a great question. I think it's so funny because I think, I mean, obviously she is one of the main characters in the book as well. So it, it's somewhat natural, but, I feel like she is definitely the one that I get the most questions about um, across the board. Yeah, because I think something about her both like very much annoys people and also is like people are still willing to give her a lot of like sympathy. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that happens because I, I think that's how I feel about her as well. Um, mm -hmm. Because, yeah, I think um, she's just put in this, you know, sort of like well not put in she she signs up for the situation uh which is that um she she gets a host uh student um who's very very different from her obviously um and she herself has a very specific situation which is that she is a single mother living in a town that is otherwise extremely conservative um, um, but she's this like kind of ex-hippie um right. who has like all these like you know who's trying to be a good liberal uh person and um but she's like like she's she's dealing with her own kid and then she has this other person who like she doesn't really fully understand and i think what i really i don't know i think the, the the thing that i try to give her a lot of grace was there's i don't i think obviously we talk a lot about like microaggressions and this idea that oh like when you know people feel misunderstood in their culture or whatnot and i but i like from kelly's perspective it's how would she know 
of a lot of the things that she is suddenly faced with. And mm-hmm. um, this is, you know, it's a learning experience for both of them. Um, but obviously there's like a power dynamic difference, right? Like Hera is the one who has to suddenly move across the ocean and she's the one who's like around everyone who doesn't understand her. Um, so it's, I, I, I'm curious, I'm like interested in this because I, I don't think it's ever, or not ever, but like a lot of the times it's obviously, it's not about like a good person versus bad person, like good immigrant versus bad, good whatever um, person who like interacts with them versus the other. It's, it's about the power dynamics that are already in place when those interactions happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what happens when Hira and Kelly meet, for instance, like Hira already comes in with a lot of information about how to act and how to be and like what to say and what not to. Whereas Kelly doesn't know anything like as basic as, okay, like Muslims eat meat a certain way, um, which like you think that, okay, if she was doing this program, she'd look up or want to or be told. Yeah. Um, so I, I, yeah, I was, I was curious in exploring that dynamic through the relationship, uh, but I also did want the relationship to go somewhere. Like I didn't, hmm. I didn't want it to be um, sort of just exclusively trauma narrative where, oh, Hira comes in and she's, she's, deals with this like bad person and then leaves and it's just um they both you know they both try to do well by each other uh frequently fail um and um i think i hope in my mind like are able to continue their relationship um Mm. post post the happenings of the book yeah i don't think you can nail down to one reason but hira wants to leave talking about going back when she was living in Mm -hmm. pakistan and the book starts off, you know, for the most part, towards the beginning, obviously, is about before she leaves for the States. Um, and kind of, if you want to say why, I mean, she just, she neatly kind of says, quote, mostly I'd, I had wanted to leave. It wasn't necessarily about going to the United States. Mm-hmm. She wanted to leave, right? I mean, does she, I mean, she's, I don't know, if, I don't think cynical is the word. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's a very, like, clever, very smart, but she's also young. Mm-hmm. Is it? Is it just the classic, like she wants to escape that small world that she lives in? Like, is that a big part of why she wants to go on the on the exchange program? Yeah, so I think there's, I think there's two things. Um, one, there's the fact that she's a young person who is already like she feels like she's a little different from the girls around her, um, and she wants to sort of like broaden her horizon. She's also going to the U.S., which already uh, for a lot of people around the world already exists as this like mystical space right um like i i distinctly remember the first time i was landing in jfk not not as part of this program and i could like see new york below and it was it was just like oh my gosh this place that i've seen so many times in movies is coming alive underneath me um so there is there's there's some of that as well but i i think another thing that is the case is that um there's various kinds of uh migrations obviously and some people move because they're like obviously they're fleeing persecution or they're mm-hmm. fleeing something very life-threatening or, you know, um, but that's obviously not the case with Hira. She, she clearly comes from like a relatively well-to-do family in Pakistan. She's comfortable. She's not, but so a lot of the reasons for her moving and, or even a lot of the reasons how she justifies her move is very much like, I don't know what you'd call it, but like, maybe existential or emotional or like mm-hmm. almost intellectual. Um, mm-hmm. Like, oh, I want a space that's, you know, I want to broaden more horizons or I want to move to a place that like where I can whatever, discover myself or uh, find new things or a lot. Yeah. So um, 
I was and and then the other the third thing that I was gonna say is like I wanted to also just include this because uh, a lot of people related to this because I think that a lot of the times we're told to think of migration as like the re- the pull factors right but there also are push factors for a lot of people mm. like there are reasons why people leave and those reasons frequently don't have to do with the place that they're going to but also yeah. like the place that's being left yeah that makes sense um you know so like in her last days at school and she's a couple of her friends are going they're all going to be in different places in the states but they're all you know they're united by that and you know we, we get a lot we, we get to know a lot about hira i mean she she does not put up with uh what's the expression she does not suffer fools right <laughs> um you know there's one of the i think one of the teachers says something the effect of like arrogance is not a good look and it's especially not forgiven by young ladies to use like slang of today right i mean Hira's not here for it, right? She's not here for any sort of sexism or or put downs, just, be, you know. So the trip itself, the scholarship program, you know, it's kind of one of the things like you're talking about, she wants to escape this world, wants to just get out of her own little world for a bit. And it just so happens that the timing is there's this program offered. What's kind of like, um, I don't know, maybe the real life um, connection to this sort of program or or how did you anticipate, how did you picture it when you're writing this book? Like, I guess explain the background of the program of the exchange program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I so I did a similar um, exchange program um, in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, as I said, and that was um, so it was basically it's a program that was set up in the immediate aftermath of nine eleven um, to I mean the official sort of terminology was like to foster understanding um, between uh, uh, the U.S. and um, majority Muslim countries. So the program only exists in like um, countries in the Middle East um, and I guess South Asia, uh, obviously Pakistan, but I'm wondering if I think Pakistan's the only one in South Asia, um, but countries that have like a Muslim majority. Um, and it's a little obviously one-sided because there's no uh, American students coming over mm-hmm. to these countries to learn about their cultures. Um, so obviously there's, it's a little, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if shady is the word, but, uh, but I mean, and, and what, what it does basically is it gives, um, students because there's obviously a lot of students who come to the U S uh, for college, but those, those are almost exclusively, at least in, in Pakistan, um, students who are upper middle class, um, if not the elite, um, because applying for colleges, having sort of like the, uh, the awareness of applying for American colleges and like being able to fund yourself while coming here is um is, is is very different but what this program does is that it exclusively um targets um students in like government schools or mm. students are that are like more middle class um and it gives them the opportunity to come to the u.s for a year it's fully paid for um and so it's obviously like because because of all of that, it's like highly sought. It's it, there's a whole like application process, which is very long and extensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you spend a year in the U.S. with um, with an exchange family. And I think it's just it's a it's an interesting program because if things go well, they can go really really well. It's like the opportunity of a lifetime. It can really sort of like expose a young student to so much. But as you can imagine, um, things can go very very bad as well um, because these host families, they're frequently, I mean, I'm hoping that there is a good process in place for screening and whatnot. Um, but you can imagine that if a student, and that that is that was not at all the case with me. I love my host parents. I'm still in touch with them. But 
I knew of cases where students ended up with like horrible borderline abusive parents and it's what do you what do you do you don't have any status in the U.S. you um like you don't know who to call like I mean you have host parents but you don't have any legal recourse it's um so again it's a very strange and vulnerable Hmm. position that the student can be in yeah did did you get sick at all like in great in seriously sick or yeah I, I I did actually and that's that's another there's a few things I mean it's fine because I could like I don't know if I ever did this during the writing of the book um like I can make a you know a sort of uh, two column chart of like what all was fiction and what wasn't mm-hmm. and I guess three column and what was like a bit of both <laughs> um but the the, the t- tuberculosis was part of the like oh, no. called from out of uh, yeah autobiography um because I, I did get um, terribly sick when I was in, in the U.S. Um, and um, and actually, that was one of the funnest, which is a little weird because it's a very sort of like dark disease. But that was a very fun part of the book to write because it, it let me do a lot of research. And I discovered even, and it's funny because when I had it, I had no idea. But it, there obviously is a huge history to the disease. It's very mm-hmm. ancient. Um, at some point, it was like killing so many. There's still a stat of how it's killed basically one of eight humans or one of 10 humans that's ever existed, which is just bonkers. I, I read that about three or four times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I was, I mean, unbelievable doesn't even begin to describe that. <laughs> yeah. No, and it's, I mean, it's Incredible. amazing, obviously, that we have, we have moved to a place where that fact is unknown right like where mm-hmm. a lot of the world does not have to deal with this disease sure. anymore it still is unfortunately something that um is prevalent in um south asia among other places but it's still not to the like i grew growing up i didn't know of, i think i knew of maybe two or three people with mm-hmm. the disease so it's not as if it's right rampant there either so it's great that we moved to this place but it's still historically it is it has been a very, very important disease in that it has shaped, it's shaped Europe in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. It's shaped how we, like our city living, it's shaped how like urban, it's shaped urban design right. because it is a disease that's highly contagious. And so it's, it's usually been a disease of like congestion and urban spaces. We get to know about the parents too, obviously throughout the book, but especially before, just about before she leaves. Do you see them as like middle class, upper middle class? Talk about the father who and the mother. You know, they use terms like burger. Is that is that a, <laughs> is that a real term? It kind of referred to like yeah, 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 like foreigners, right? Well, it's no, it's not exactly foreigners. It's well, it's someone who is. There's a lot of anxiety in in Pakistan about westernization, as I, I think there is in a lot of, as anywhere yeah. that is not the West. Um, and so anyone, burger is a term that sort of means someone who's westernized, okay. who is um, does not like, for instance, like speaking Urdu too much, prefers English. Um, mm. And it's obviously a lot of it is like tied to class and language and um, where you live. And so, but, okay. but generally the elite, yeah. So foreign influence more than foreigners. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that yeah, makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, so, you know, her mother is, Hira's mother is definitely somebody who is, um, you know, she does not believe necessarily in the old school traditional role of a woman. She definitely is, but she definitely is, she's not somebody who's, you know, as loud and outspoken about it as here. Doesn't mm-hmm, seem mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Um, there are yeah. you know, t- times where 
I mean, she seems like she very much controls that there's something where it's like she there's some really great descriptions of her like wanting to or or not but not being able to like get mad or get angry or get you know ticked off and the father is is definitely very educated how would you describe the way that they look down look upon or look down upon um you know kind of i don't know regular folk yeah yeah no that's that's a great question i think uh because i think i i'm I'm obsessed with how class works uh Mm -hmm. i think for me growing up uh, because obviously uh, every country has its own set of like identity politics and obviously mm-hmm. in the US like a lot of the conversation is about race which makes a lot of sense but in, in Pakistan a lot of the questions that I thought of or a lot of the ways in which people are demarcated against one another is mm-hmm. is through class um, and so I, I grew up thinking about that a lot and I think that um, that's one of the things that it's so funny because I've, I've um, a lot of the times when I have um, friends visit, that's one of the first things that they notice as well, um, just how rigid mm. the class um, delineations are, um, mm. like where people eat and where people sit and mm. how like the house help, like they never eat with the family and they yeah. always eat in the kitchen. And there's all these like very, very small things um, that are very noticeable to anyone who's not from there, but even even to people who do live there. Right. Um, so I think that um, that's what is the case with Hera's family as well. And it's and it's tricky because it's um, again, it's it's something that it's it's something that's so prevalent that in a lot of ways they're not the ones who are being strange by doing it. It's hmm. it's. Hera who's noticing it because like she's a, a younger generation and she like also is like a more you know she's the kind of person who notices these things and who brings these up but um she is also doing this without having sort of like the 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 wisdom to understand that okay like there's a certain like her parents they were like socialized into these things as well um so it's it's that teenage voice that obviously has a lot of smart things to say, but frequently doesn't give people enough mm. grace, um, right. if you will. Right. Yeah, that, those are some of the subtleties that were just so well done. I mean, I, I, the way that you write about class in this book is one of the best I've ever seen. It's just like, again, the subtleties, you know, the, the skip in the line at the airport, kind of looking <laughs> behind you. Like, you know, when she comes back to Pakistan, she, mm-hmm. Hira, she, um, she sees the same lady she you know talked to in line for the bathroom or something like that. And it's kind of like eh, awkward, <laughs> you know, no eye contact, you know. Yeah. And just like the, you know, uh the fact that one of the the maid or the cook, I don't, you know, like her daughter sometimes cooks and she's like Hira's age. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and just like how could you not be kind of like uneasy with that a little bit? Right. If you're Hira in that particular case, right? And you know, they use terms, uh the mother the, the parents use terms like uh, you know, people of all kinds, kind of like kind of like a negative, you know, it could be a positive right. kind of negative. And then what was it? Yeah. I'm trying to remember exactly what part of the book, but it was a term in in Urdu that also they kind of describe like regular people. I'm not explaining yeah. that very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Um it was it was translated in English as like ah oh, dang it. Uh I'll, maybe I'll remember in a minute, but yeah, no, I'm I'm blanking on it as well. Yeah. I I yeah. Wait, you mean you don't remember every single word of your book? Come on. <laughs> I know, I know. I need to. Page 174, third call. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, the idea of the mother saying in those early chapters, which is that flashback or flash forward where she has tuberculosis. Kind of, you know, what has America done to my child? This was America. America as a, 
you know, what's the term, the um, synecdoche kind of thing, right? Like America is representative, this, this big metaphor, this big entity. Even though um, she was testing positive for tuberculosis before she left, that was obviously one reason to maybe be a little hesitant. Her yeah, parents, her parents are very hesitant just overall. They didn't want the, the burger complex, etc. Why do <laughs> yeah. you think that they let her go? There's this idea that um, going westward specifically to like the, the few countries that are like very like sort of like in light alive in mm-hmm. in the imagination so which 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 by which i mean places where there already are a lot of people who've gone so mm-hmm. um a lot of pakistanis have obviously moved to the us to the uk um australia obviously um the classics um and then the gulf as well so mm-hmm. given that america is one of them um that place already exists in the parents mind as like oh, a bible place to go to and then um it's there is always also this idea that moving there will, can only be good for you moving there can only be sort of like positive in terms of like educational and career perspectives mm-hmm. um and that i think is always um sort of like a for for this specific professional class that Harris family belongs to there's always this tussle because on the one hand they definitely want to reap or they, they want to reap those benefits the like the sort of practical benefits that can come from that migration. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they do not want any of like the cultural influence that is okay, inevitably right. going to be part of that. Right. Right. They would have been so happy, right? If if their if Hera would have ended up in, in New Jersey like her friend. <laughs> right. With the with <laughs> yeah. the Desi family. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Muslim fam- Muslim family. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And when yeah. when uh, Hera goes to visit, it's kind of like this could be anywhere. <laughs> you know, it d- definitely felt yeah. different in many ways. Yeah. Some of the the commercialism and all that, but uh, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for the explanation. And and as far as her, you know, her grandfather, well, he is somebody saying like, hey, while 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 the while the elders in your family are still sitting, I love that term. Um, <laughs> while the elders are still sitting, and you know, she doesn't need to go. And he's not being a jerk about it. He's there's definitely a, a beautiful relationship between granddaughter and grand and grandfather. But she he's basically saying, nah, she she shouldn't be going right. Mm-hmm. In the end, she does. We talked a little bit about Kelly. You know, first connection with Amy, who is Kelly's daughter. She's, you know, kind of a typical teenager. She's not extremely warm, but she's not cold. And, you know, they're definitely, they're they're both around the same age. There are a lot of, of, of connections, but there are also some differences, you know, in culture for obvious reasons. Coming from different countries, different languages, histories. But I guess we, we can find this out more as the book goes on. But Amy seems to be really into this small town and the the, the machinations of what happens there. But she definitely, towards the end, we, we get the impression she definitely wants to spread her wings. You know, New York is the dream, right? Mm-hmm. How about Hira's purported dream of of driving with a cigarette? Mm-hmm. That was a cool yeah. image. Where did, uh, where did that come from, that image? Um, It's so funny because I think I I remember when I was writing, most of this book is written in, um, in Pakistan. Because I was there um, on like I took a month off at one point and then I took a longer period of time um, and I was just at home because at this point a lot of my friends don't live in the same city anymore. So mm. in some ways going back home is actually great know, right? for my writing yeah, because yeah. I don't know anyone there. I just like sit and it's a write. It's phenomenon, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's fantastic. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you you sound like you're relating. Is that is that the well, case well, just, for you as well? Um, not necessarily about the writing part of it, but just like the idea of it's 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 just a weird phenomenon in that going back to your hometown, and it's not. I mean, I'm, what I'm saying is nothing new, but just like it's not the same. 
Yeah. <laughs> because yeah, so many people, it's not the people who you grew up with. They're not, they moved yeah. or they're, they got their family or they're 20 minutes away or they're two hours away or five hours. Yeah, away. yeah definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I, I, I wrote this and my brothers were also actually there. And I remember when I wrote the scene, um, I like told them later on, and I was like, you know what? I actually, I would, I would love to, to do that too. Um, <laughs> And they were like, you know, it's not hard at all. Like, we can just get in a car right now. Um, right. And just you can smoke a cigarette out the window. It's not a big deal. And I was like, no, but it's not. It's not going to be the same if, like, mm. no. Like, it's never going to be the way I think it will be, uh, which yeah. is what which is what happens with Hera. And I I, it's, mm. I, I, sort of, like, love that scene, uh, uh-huh. the, the final scene. And yeah. um, it's funny because it wasn't in one of, like, the initial drafts. And then my agent said mm. that I... Um, should put something in to sort of like wrap up the relationship between Hera and Amy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that that's that's when that scene uh, was, you know, came into being. And I I really like that. Yeah. So I mean, like that could be like the maybe when it goes to a different printing, that could be like the cover. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh. Hey. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like that looks a lot like the author. Yeah. That looks like a lot yeah. like the author smoking cigarette. Like, <laughs> it is her. It is. Yeah. Her. Hey oh, man, man, maybe it can just be a yeah. Maybe it can be a photo of me. Now there's sometimes you know you see like even for like fiction, there's like covers that are like real people. Right, um, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Again, again, I'm sorry to harp on it, but it's in a positive thing. Just the the subtleties of the book. There's like I don't know a paragraph and a half or two big paragraphs just about the this this push and pull between like Hira and I assume you kind of speaking for maybe yourself and many others, but just like this weird. Like, oh, thanks for the compliment, but also, like, why would you compliment me? Like, being complimented <laughs> for your English as a foreigner. Right. Right? And just the way that you describe it in the book is just such a a, a cool window for, for the reader. Like, okay, I get it. Yeah, you know, so-and-so is from whatever country. Like, I could see why someone would compliment them. English maybe wasn't the, the official language of that country. But right. also... You know, but also, and there's Ohira <laughs> yeah. who's 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 studied in it, who's gone to school with English, who speaks in many ways better than you know the Americans. That that part was just so um, the subtleties that came with it that, that really make this book so great. Thank you. The the town, you know, it's a very like you said, you said extremely conservative um, earlier. They're they're church people. You got the, you know the the positive connotations of a small town. They're you know for the most part they're friendly. They're generous. It's also, you know, fairly poor. There's there's mm-hmm. ignorance. There's definitely ignorance in the the denotative sense where they literally don't know things. There are mm-hmm. also some, you know, some definitely like, you know, with a negative connotation where they choose to be ignorant. Um, I wonder about her place in this small town and kind of like her feeling that she didn't fit in, but also how much of it is like, oh, cool, I'm an outsider. I can be a chronicler of this. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's a great um, differentiation that you're making. I think that, um, so the, the, the town that I, I went to for my exchange program was a lot like, like, the name is fictional, but, or I'm sure maybe there is a Lakeview in Oregon, but that's not the one that this book is set in. Um, and I w- I'm just, it's been 10 years, as I said, or it was 10 years since I moved that I wrote about that. Uh, yeah. And, um, I was just so entranced by how different that place was from anywhere else that I'd been in the U.S. Um, mm. Because obviously, like most um, people who come here from abroad, I later on found myself in like the classic places, the places with opportunities, the cities, 
um, mostly the seaboard. And um, I was just like, it it kept striking me over and over again, how, how different that place was and how even, as you said, like it's so different for Hera that she doesn't even, um, she's such an oddity there that it like a lot of the like classic, you know, um, instances of racism or whatever you want to call our instances of being other don't even apply because mm. no one has ever met someone like her before um, and she knows very much that this is not a space where she could like this is not a place where she could move um, and so in some ways that like puts her very firmly in this position of the outsider yeah um, yeah yeah there's that that really nuanced again scene with where she's uh, they're out kind of sightseeing or something like nature wise. And she goes up to this little kid and it's like, Oh, it's so cute. And kind of like caresses his <laughs> cheek or something like that. Right. And everyone's just like, what are you, what are you doing? And he's like, stranger, you know, and like, like you talk about yeah. that, that could have gone wrong. Right. Yeah. Yeah. could have gone way, way worse. But yeah, just, you know, that was something sure. she was used to in, in Pakistan. Mm-hmm. No one would have batted an eyelash kind of thing. Right. She, um, she, well, she's there for a while, but part of that is Ramadan and um you know she's also she also gets in, into onto the volleyball team she's not the greatest player um nope. no she is not <laughs> doesn't necessarily love it either um but it's something she does keeps her busy and you know I mean, obviously that makes it even harder when she's um you know going through i've heard about you know a lot of times about athletes going through ramadan and it's like hey this helped me like you know I, i'm more focused you know etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. not her not her she's like i hate this sport <laughs> i don't want to be running i don't you know yeah so so she's you know she's very weak she loses weight there are times where she's proud of it um but you know the people she sees on facebook other people in the program they're all you know they're all gaining weight and she's not mm-hmm. um and this little cough and little symptoms like that start um you know kind of as we go through which all which i could talk about ends up with with um tuberculosis how much blame is to be had for kelly she doesn't really cook at -hmm. all it's a lot of frozen food and hey i'm sorry she's upfront about it she's like i'm just really not going to cook how much maybe blame if that's even the word goes to kelly yeah um the weakening of of hira yeah so i think i don't know i think i think like that obviously is one of the sort of like central questions of the book which more than just like the blame of the, the feeding um it's the question of like at what point do you become responsible for your own life um mm-hmm. because Hiras very much exists in that liminal space of okay there still has to be an adult who takes care of her but also she is not like 12 she if she wanted to she could you know fend for herself um if she needed to um um, and then again, there's the question of like, okay, should she need to like, isn't the whole point of an exchange program that she should be in the hands of people who right. should take care of her, right? Um, and I don't know, I think I, I wanted to leave that sort of intentionally, um, like, as you said, a little while back, the like, she did test positive before she came to the US. So in some ways, like, the, the harm had already been done. Uh, mm-hmm. But she would not have gotten sick if there had been so I, I i wanted to leave like that question of blame intentionally yeah. murky um mm-hmm. and i think that um because again like with me as well like i again i had a very different experience but even looking back i sometimes i think oh my you know um like why did I, you know, did I not, was I not eating properly? Like, were mm. people not feeding me properly? Was my idea of like being like, 
so there's there's all these but i i i think that was in time she left working hmm. so i mean before she gets full full-blown sick with tuberculosis she's you know again it, the book could easily fall into tropes like you you even writing almost like almost like meta right where we hit her saying basically like there could be the foreigner thing like oh she, everything is so interesting to her and she's so fascinated there could be the foreigner who's like you know waiting for other people to slip up and be ignorant and be racist be biased and hers is just like quote i'm bloody i was bloody bored <laughs> right and some of the best writing is just like in those days where she's just bored there's just not a lot going on she's not in new york city she's not in la she's not in chicago she's in you know lake lakeside lakeview Lakeview, yeah, Oregon, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and she part of that boredom, she starts to talk to Ali, who's kind of like I guess a friend of a friend. Is that safe way mm-hmm, to put it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a family friend. Yeah, yeah, family friend, right? And he's a little bit older. He's in in school in New York, and she just um, loves not the word, but she's is she in love with him now? Yes, partly, maybe. Yeah, I mean, you know, the way the way people at that age fall in love with someone that they haven't met enamored for sure right right yeah right and he's um i was i was waiting for him to slip up but he's a good dude <laughs> right he's a really good dude but you know Dang he it. But yeah just i know <laughs> <laughs> but just shows like you know that he just ideas again of like of home and he's in many ways made himself at home he's mm-hmm. not he's not eschewing as, as i don't know if i said the word skewing home in pakistan but in the moment and at the time that's his home and i could that could change right Mm-hmm. And so they do end up getting having a um you know time together where she comes she comes to New York and in Jersey to see her friend and just in in talking about the ideas of home and she's really she she says at one time or writes at one time that she's she's just baffled by people who haven't wanted to flee right to mm-hmm. her that just seems to be a natural thing and then you know back to school there's there's Hamid am I saying the name correctly yeah Hamid is from Oman and he's also an exchange student. And he's a good friend to her, but they're they're different. They they definitely have different philosophies, right? How would you describe the way that they kind of uh, navigate the world of of small town Oregon as exchange students? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that before before I even answer this question, I think one of the one of the sort of most frustrating things to me about Ada is that she focuses a lot more on like differences and like the ways that in which she is fragmented from other people than the similarities that she might have with them. And she mm. uses that um, as a way of defining herself. So like mm. she is constantly defining herself as like, this person is this thing. I'm not that thing. Therefore I am not that thing, you right, know, right, like, right. Um, so, and that's, I think maybe that's a teenager thing to do, or maybe that's just a hit thing to do. Uh, but it, it, that was definitely like one of the more um, frustrating things about her to me. Um, um, but you, so sorry, going back to Hamid, I, wh- where did we land with the question? Well, just like, it's just as far as like the different philosophies. I mean, towards the end, they really kind of break off like, Hey, we're, right. you know, it's, we're just not, we've got to agree to disagree. Sorry, man. Yeah. We're just, we're just yeah. Kind of like diametrically opposed, but just kind yeah. of like the way that he navigates through, um, through high school life specifically, really. Yeah. 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 I, um, and I think I, I saw a lot of that in like different, the different ways in which different exchange students were here as well. Um, when, during the program, um, obviously everyone is capable of, um, assimilating in different ways. Um, and so there were some students who were very much like, okay, this is my one American year. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be, you know, more American than apple pie. Like I'm going to do everything. 
Um, and then there were there were some students who were like much more timid um, and like who for some reason or the other did not want to do certain things, had much mm-hmm. clear boundaries of, OK, these are the things that I'm not going to do. Um, and I think that um, Hira and Hamid just like land very differently on those things. Um, mm-hmm. And um, again, I think it's it's a factor of their still you know their youth and in some ways immaturity that they like because i think maybe to an elder per, to an older person that would that would be very natural right like obviously different people have different planning places um mm-hmm. but for them that becomes a way of okay this is the way in which we're different and maybe that's you know tomato tomato like let's right. call the whole thing off right yeah, yeah, yeah. i appreciate that with with her sickness i mean she's forced to, to quarantine for a while i mean i was definitely thinking a lot of COVID, COVID, right? Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. should I wear a mask and, you know, all these things like, <laughs> yeah. oh man, you, you were like a, a, not a prophet, like a, you saw the future or something. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, it's crazy because I, I remember I, the, the final edits that I did um, were in March, 2020, like before mm-hmm. I sent the book out on public, on submissions. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was wild to be writing those final scenes. Um, bet, at, yeah. 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 I'm really doing my best here to, you know, because people need to read this book. I'm really doing my best not to, you know, spoil, <laughs> do any spoilers. Um, you know, so, w- I mean, with that quarantine, we'll just kind of end it there as far as plot. Like with the quarantine, you know, a lot of, she has a lot of time to think, a lot of time to read. Uh, Faiz, is that how you pronounce the poet? Mm-hmm. Fez. Fez, excuse me. Fez, she really, um, you know, just really takes to the the writing. She's kind of like, this totally sums up my life and sums me up and I'm learning so much. And there's also, you know, the awkwardness, like she was at the wedding and it's like, oh, hey, everybody, I have it now. And you got to <laughs> take this disease that makes your pee turn orange. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, and, and sorry about that. And well, did you know yeah. did I, it wasn't your fault? You know, and she, yeah. had, you know, she had a really nice relationship with uh, with Hannah. Hannah was the right. Mother, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, yeah. Kelly's, Kelly's mother, mom. Yeah. But you could mm-hmm. tell she was kind of like, why didn't you do anything? And, you know, why didn't you tell yeah, us? Yeah. You knew. And, you know, just the yeah. blame game and all that and the city. And she's in her bed thinking, like, do people in this town hate me? They don't necessarily seem to when she comes back for a reunion at the church. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, I'm sure there are people, there were people kind of like looking at her weird, right? <laughs> but just ideas of um, that quarantine and how that in some ways was like a, a rite of, like a rite of passage for her, right? She almost like grew up in, in those times. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And then the big question is, do I, do I go home? And her right. mother and father, for the, bo- for the most part, definitely her father more like, yes, come home. <laughs> Like, mm-hmm. and she's like, do I steal out of here in the night? Even, you know, I, I got to wait till I'm contagious, not contagious anymore. Right. And just those questions, which of course, I'll come back to the ideas of home. I mean, home is such a huge theme in, in the book. You know, where is my home? No one ever, there's a great quote that's so simple, but um, here, uh, kind of like a, a, a monologue of sorts, she writes, no one ever leaves. No one has ever left. And that's inclusive of like human history, Right. <laughs> it's not just saying this town, you know, just ideas of like the grass is greener on the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, independence for sure is a theme. I mean, she's mm-hmm. what, 17, eight, 17, maybe turns 18. 17. Yeah. 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 Right. 16 going on 17. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's one of those where she's, you know, 16 going on 40. Right. I mean, she's yeah. an old soul for sure. <laughs> right. We talked about, I mean, gender roles for sure are, are as a theme. Um, she, when what sorry remind me of her friend the one who um remind me of her name the one who lives in jersey as part of the exchange program Z- zara right 
And Zara, you know, is wearing the scarf, which she had never worn in Pakistan. And she's kind of like, oh, well, it's kind of like a fashion thing. How did how did Hira look at her there? Did she look at her as kind of like, hey, I thought we were in this together? Was it kind of like, eh, I get it. Like, how how did she kind of look at that? Um, maybe as performative? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, like going back to this idea of like Hira constantly using other people as, you know, this benchmark of what she's not. Uh-huh. Um, because she very much could have looked at that and thing, thought, oh, this is something that, because we know from Hira saying this, that uh, she has also worn the scarf in the past. Right. So she could have used that as like, oh, I, this is something that I did. This is an exploration that I embarked on and now mm-hmm. my friend is doing it. Um, but like more frustratingly, um, both to I think the reader and also to Sada herself, mm-hmm. um, Hira uses that as a oh this is weird. Uh, why are you doing this? And is America making you more religious? And which which I mean it frequently does um, mm-hmm. a lot of the times obviously because it's a you know the uh, action versus reaction thing where um, when people mm-hmm. move here they are they're a lot of sometimes they uh, hold on even more strongly to parts of their identity that didn't mean as mm. much to them uh, back home and mm. the scarf becomes something like that for Zara maybe um, and so she Hira very much thinks it's that and like judges her for that um, because um, she's also bringing some of her baggage of like what does a scarf mean and, mm. and do people sometimes wear it performatively back from back home yeah. um, and I think that again the biggest thing is that she sort of refuses to give Zara the grace that she uh, that I think Zara is old, and then they obviously they have that um, they have that argument in in New Jersey um, about about that. That makes sense. I, I had the the pleasure to speak with Saima Sitwat. She's Pakistani American. She um, she wrote American Muslim. And oh, what, you, what you were saying about like the the idea of maybe being even more religious in in the states was something that she really talked about, like things that you know were taken for granted in Pakistan, right? And it was kind of like um, because. Like you said, action and reaction, I guess, is the way you described it, which was really interesting. But she was talking about those were some of her first impressions in the States with the the Muslim Americans was like, OK, wow. Um, <laughs> things that we've taken for granted, you know, aren't taken for granted here. Therefore. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, very interesting. Thank you for that. Um, thank you for this book. Um, like I said, it's, you know, the fact that you've written this as your debut novel, I mean, wow <laughs> you uh um, thank you so much you you know just retire while you're on top you know what i mean just like shoot people talk about singers <laughs> singers being one hit wonders i'd love to be a one hit wonder and this is a big big time hit but i would i know that you're you got the writing bug i'd love to know what um what other great work you're you're, you're working on maybe you got, you're at a break now or, or what do you have coming in the future yeah um i'm i'm very much at work on a second novel. Um, nice. I'm not going to say too much about it. Just following the vein of um, writers being superstitious about okay. about. <laughs> does it have projects. words in it? Correct. It yes, it does. Oh, nice. Yes. Okay, yes. that's good yes. to know. Very okay. Good. <laughs> is it? Is it? I give a, it away. <laughs> is it a depart- complete departure from your first, or there's some? Yeah. It is. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, yeah. Um, last thing I'll ask you about the book is the cover. Is, is that here on the cover? Is that Kelly? I think it's yeah. I think it's meant to be Hira. Um, it's funny because I, I love the American cover. Um, yeah, um, I just like absolutely adored the cover. Mm. But what's funny is that I did not. Um, when I I you know how so a lot of sometimes um, writers send in like the little 
I don't know, the briefs that okay. then, like the art director or whoever, the person who's signing the cover yeah. sort of takes and runs with. Yeah. Um, this uh, this is nothing like what I had asked for. Hmm. And but I, I just like I saw it and I uh, like completely fell in love with it. And then the editor was also kind enough to let me uh, put in uh, like uh, lines of Urdu poetry into. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you see, there's like lines in there that I that I wrote yeah, myself. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which and so I I really really loved that as well. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be hit with a fever, which explains the cheeks. Right, 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 right. I was wondering if it's maybe a little bit of that eyeshadow. She, she I remember one time she was <laughs> she wanted a little bit of makeup and 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 got rid of most oh, of the eyeshadow. Oh, that's true. That is true. Yeah. That's well, right. you you referenced the great Peter Ho Davies, author of The Welsh Girl on the front cover, quote, mm-hmm. this is a fearless, exacting, essential work and marks the debut of a thrilling new global voice. Say, agreed, 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 agreed. Tell us about the uh, the publisher, you know, good places to buy the book, maybe some places local in, in New Jersey, um, maybe some of the smaller bookstores, but just all that good stuff, social media info, contact, where to buy the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, the book is published in the U.S. by Skyhorse and uh, distributed through Simon Schuster. But you can obviously you can find it uh, wherever you buy your books in New Jersey. I love um, Word bookstores. They have their uh, I think they oh, started out of Brooklyn, uh, but now have a store in Jersey City. Okay. Um, there's Washington Booksellers in Montclair. Um, and um, obviously, New York is just like you can't walk a block without bumping <laughs> into like a fantastic bookstore so hmm. um yeah it should be it should be available in most places that sell books cool are you um extremely online are you instagram in twitter maybe just one or the other i i i went off of twitter um before yeah. before it became cool to uh. do so um, yeah 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 you're a twitter um, hipster or an anti-hipster exactly so. exactly <laughs> um I am still on Instagram. Um, you can find me under my name. Um, I have a website that has um, all my works, all my essays, and a lot of the nonfiction that I wrote um, before the book. Because um, I, before I wrote this novel, I mostly wrote nonfiction. So, mm-hmm. excellent. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, people listening need to buy this book. It's you know exciting new global voice is the word. Definitely an exciting new voice. And uh, thanks so much for your time and. Um, I'm looking forward to your next work and your third and your fourth and your fifth and all that good stuff. Thanks again so much. Thank you so much, Peter. Thank you for having me. Pleasure talking to you. Thank you for listening to episode 168 with Dere Aziz Amna. You can now subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. You can also ask for the podcast by name using Alexa and find the pod on Stitcher, Spotify, and on Amazon Music. Follow me on Instagram where I'm at Chills at Will Podcast or on Twitter where I'm at Chills at Will PO1. You can watch this and other episodes on YouTube, the Chills at Will Podcast channel. Sign up now for the Chills at Will Podcast Patreon. It can be found at patreon.com backslash chills at will podcast peter real check out the page that describes the benefits of a patreon membership including cool swag and bonus episodes thanks in advance for supporting my one-man show my diy podcast and my extensive reading research editing and promoting to keep this independent podcast pumping out high quality content this is a passion project of mine a diy operation and i'd love for your help in promoting what i'm convinced is a unique and spirited look in an often ignored art form 
The intro song for the Chills of Will podcast is Wind Down Instrumental. And the other song played on the episode was Hoops Instrumental by Matt Whitehour. And both songs are used through archesaudio.com. Please tune in for episode 169 with Justin Tinsley, the author of It Was All a Dream, Biggie and the World That Made Him, and host of ESPN's 30 for 30 Nipsey Hussle original podcast, The King of Crenshaw. He is sports and culture senior reporter at Disney's Anscape and weekly guest on ESPN's Around the Horn. This episode will air on March 7th. For now, we again wish Dur Aziz Amna great luck in the future with her writing. We thank you as a reader for listening, and I hope that these uncertain days bring you texts by writers with mad skills like Dure Aziz Amna, whose work, like American Fever, gives you chills at will. Mm-hmm.